Hello and welcome to In The Loop, a podcast working in cooperation with Suffolk Votes and Suffolk University's Center for Community Engagement. The views and opinions expressed on In The Loop do not reflect the opinions of Suffolk University, the Center for Community Engagement, or Suffolk Votes. I'm Cam Sweeney. And I'm Andrew Gomes. This week, the White House extends the pause on student loan payments, a government shutdown looms over Congress, protests break out around the world, and the World Cup in Qatar draws controversy. Starting off with updates in Congress, Mary Peltola of Alaska wins a full term in the House of Representatives, defeating the 2008 Republican nominee for Vice President and former Governor of Alaska, Sarah Palin, becoming the first Alaska native to do so. Also in Alaska, Lisa Murkowski wins re-election, defeating the Trump-backed challenger Kelly Chewbacca. House Democratic leadership elections are set to be held this Wednesday, November 30th, as planned, with Hakeem Jeffries of New York set to become the minority leader, Catherine Clark of Massachusetts is set to become the minority whip, and Pete Aguilar of California is set to become the House Democratic caucus chair. All candidates face no open challengers, and all have been endorsed by outgoing Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Most House races have been called. We know that Republicans will hold 220 to 222 seats in the House of Representatives. The most likely scenario is a mirror image of the current Congress, where Republicans will have 222 seats, just a four-seat majority. Worrying for Kevin McCarthy, who needs to secure 218 votes to become the Speaker of the House. Also going on in Congress is the continued debate over funding the government. Uh, So as a kind of overview of how the government funding process works, is that all government agencies and apartments require funding appropriated or approved by Congress in order to function. When Congress fails to approve a new budget before their own set deadline, that's how we get a government shutdown. As of right now, Congress and the government is funded up until December 16th, and and there's a few possible different outcomes for how this whole thing could play out. The first of these options, which is the most likely, is that Congress passes what's called a continuing resolution, also known as a CR. What this would do is it would continue the funding that was appropriated in the past Congress, uh, so keep funding as it is without changing it up until December 23rd, the day before Christmas Eve. This is a pretty commonly used tactic by legislators to try and force legislators to come up to an agreement in order to be home for Christmas. The second of these options is that a year-long continuing resolution is passed to kind of kick the issue down the road. This is, this is really not optimal. There's a reason that Congress appropriates different amounts every year to take into account um, policy changes or different demands that departments might need. And the Department of Defense, the Pentagon, have already strongly urged Congress against doing this, but it's still one of the options. The third option is that none of the above happens and that another government shutdown occurs. What happens during a government shutdown is that all non-essential government employees are put on unpaid furlough until Congress reappropriates money. This causes issue, uh, national parks close, and travel gets more difficult. Air traffic controllers, TSA agents, they're put on leave or work without pay, which causes delay, and obviously government employees aren't happy with anything when the government shuts down. The White House extends the pause on student loan payments until September of 2023. This decision was made after court challenges paused Biden's planned student loan forgiveness program. CNN reports that around 16 million people have already been approved for up to $20,000 of student loan forgiveness, many of which have been notified, though no action can be taken since the president's debt forgiveness plan had been blocked by a federal judge in Texas. 
ruling that the program was, quote, an unconstitutional exercise of Congress's legislative power. I also now wanted to turn to the international stage because worldwide we've seen a recent wave of protests that haven't been getting too much attention. And, and the first of these, which has been ongoing for a while, is protests in Iran over the deaths of Masa Amini, who died in the custody of Iran's morality police after being detained for not wearing her hijab. These, despite government crackdowns, have been going on for months, with the New York Times reporting that this set of protests is the largest since at least 2009. And just recently adding to these protests, the niece of the uh, Iranian Supreme Leader, Ayatollah Khomeini, came out in support of these protesters and called on governments around the world to cut their ties with Iran. There are also a new wave of protests in China, which is relatively unheard of, that's been sparked by hundreds of protesters that went out to the streets in several major cities responding to China's strict COVID policies and overall government repression. During these protests, uh, a journalist for the BBC, Ed Lawrence, reported being detained by Chinese authorities uh, and reported being beaten by the police before being released several hours later. We don't have any exact estimates on how many protesters were out or the current state of them, but as of right now, we know that they were in the hundreds. And I also wanted to bring attention to a series of protests that happened earlier this month in Egypt um, after protesters in Sharm el-Sheikh drew a crowd of thousands that called for President al-Sisi of Egypt to step down. These protesters took advantage of the international platform that was being held for the climate conference hosted by the UN in Sharm el-Sheikh to call for the release of political prisoners in Egypt uh, and the resignation of President al-Sisi as of right now, Egypt's imprisonment of political prisoners has grown tremendously over the years, and that number is estimated to be around 60,000 today. And now, touching upon the controversy surrounding the 2022 FIFA World Cup, since awarding the 2022 World Cup title to Qatar, FIFA, the governing body of international football, has faced a mountain of criticism and speculation on its ethical practices. Many have wondered why FIFA continuously followed this habit of cozying up to authoritarian leaders such as Russian President Vladimir Putin, who did oversee Russia's hosting of the 2018 World Cup. According to an analysis by The Guardian, at least 6,500 migrant laborers have died in Qatar since the tournament was awarded to the country in 2010. Finally today, we're going to look forward to 2024 which really puts into perspective the importance of the ongoing runoff in Georgia for the Senate race between uh, Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock. This was an article brought up by Vox that notes the really difficult situation Democrats are heading into for the Senate elections in 2024. There are three incumbent Democrats that'll be up for re-election in states that Trump won in the 2020 presidential election. Those three senators are Joe Manchin of West Virginia, John Tester of Montana, and Sherrod Brown of Ohio. These are all Democrats in fairly Republican states. Uh, in Ohio, for example, uh, J.D. Vance, a Republican, just defeated former Congressman Tim Ryan in that state. And aside from these three states, there are also a lot of other vulnerable Democrats. There's uh, senators in Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan that are all fa facing difficult reelection battles. Uh, and so all of this really makes it important for uh, Democrats and Republicans alike 
to put their resources into this runoff in Georgia because that one seat could be the difference between a majority for either party depending on how things in 2024 sort out. And there is also still the question of President Biden's plan as for whether or not he's going to seek the nomination for the Democratic Party and run for a second term in 2024. Um, there, there was an article that the New York Times put out talking about how Biden is in a much stronger place than he was before the midterm elections. Obviously, Democrats far exceeded their expectations. They flipped a seat in Pennsylvania, and they, while they lost the House of Representatives, they did do, do far better than was expected. As I think we brought up in a previous episode, Republicans were talking about something like 50, 60, 70 seats in play. And as we discussed previously, that majority is looking more and more like it's going to be four or five seats. Needless to say, all of this stands to benefit President Biden as he carried his party through a very difficult midterm cycle. Thanks for listening, and be sure to visit us at itlpodcast.com for more information and a complete list of where you can listen. And also be sure to follow us at Suffolk Votes on Instagram. Thank you, and we hope you tune in next week.